3: Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. 12.03, Friday afternoon, it's Groundhog Day, February 2nd. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us on the Noon Business Hour. I'm Rob Hart. We meet the woman behind a Chicago-Polish bakery that will churn out more than 40,000 punchkis this season. We'll cover that in our next segment. But first, today's big government jobs report shows the economy added 353,000 jobs last month, beating Wall Street expectations. Joining us now with the latest detail is Diane Swank Chief Economist, KPMG in Chicago. Diane, thank you for joining us today. We may have touched on this on Wednesday when the uh, ADP, the private payrolls report, came in rather underwhelming that the uh, federal government figure and the ADP figure, uh, rare, they, they rarely agree, especially now, and uh, that streak appears to be unbroken today.
0: Exactly. Well, the ADP uh, survey has been revised to only look at the information that it provides not predict what is a survey rather than the ADP numbers or actual payrolls. And the survey by the government that was taken the week we had a lot of really horrible storms is important. But you know, part of the stunning strength in the number was what something we call labor hoarding. Every January, on average, in the 2010s, we laid off 2.9 million workers. It's the biggest layoff month of the entire year. In last year, we only laid off. million workers, and that meant we got 400,000 job gains. This year in the month of January, we only laid off two point six million workers. That means more workers kept their paycheck and on a seasonally adjusted basis it shows up as a gain in payrolls. That's important because you got a lot of more a lot more people with more paychecks holding on to their paychecks than usual. And we call this sort of labor hoarding. What we've seen is um, many companies instead of engaging in mass layoffs, even though we've seen layoff announcements, instead of mass layoffs, they've been holding on to work longer, cutting back on their hours, and um, getting rid of temporary workers instead of cutting their labor force because they worked really hard to hire up and they want to retain these workers um, if the economy is strong enough to really handle it. We are coming in hot on the beginning of this year. And the economic data, not only did um, payrolls go up, but we also saw wages accelerated from the pace of... The fourth quarter which was revised up now this is something the feds not against growth they're happy with growth and as long as productivity growth remains really strong we can sustain stronger wage gains what's going to concern the fed is whether or not the acceleration in wages we're seeing is going to create a floor under inflation particularly service sector inflation and that's something they don't want to happen that's why not only did jay powell take march off the table in terms of a rate cut, but The Fed is not likely to cut until June at the earliest.
3: We're breaking down the January jobs report with Diane Swank, chief economist KPMG in Chicago. Uh, On a year-over-year basis, wages jumped uh, 4.5%. That is ahead of the uh, rate of inflation. And I think we were talking about uh, soft landing, hard landing, but maybe now uh, the no-landing scenario for the economy is still on the table. Maybe uh, it'll skirt the runway, but the plane will never actually touch down.
0: Exactly, we're sort of cruising at an altitude that's not so low, and I think that's that's a great thing. I mean, the good news is the Fed, it, you know, it once believed it had to raise unemployment in order to get inflation down. That's not been the case. It may not be willing to cut rates as aggressively as financial markets would like. Um, you know, they want their cake and eat it too, but at the end of the day. This is still an economy that's been stunningly strong. And for the U.S. consumer, which we also saw consumer sentiment, the two-month improvement in the University of Michigan Consumer Sentiment Index in December and January was the largest since 1991. That's important because we've got momentum going into 2024.
3: Diane Swank, Chief Economist, KPMG in Chicago. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up, Punchki Day is almost here. We'll check in with Chicago's largest producer of the Polish treat. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Entrepreneur Friday, and the first part of a double-barreled Entrepreneur Friday today. We welcome in Dobra Bielinski, founder and owner of Delightful Pastries, located at Austin and Lawrence in Chicago's Jefferson Park neighborhood. Uh, Dobra, thank you for joining us today. I don't want to take up too much Of your time because I know uh, you're it's prime time right now. I mean Fat Tuesday is February thirteenth, and uh, every moment that uh, you are talking to me is one pounchki that is going unmade.
4: (laughs) You're hysterical. Thank you so very much. No, I'm so happy to talk to people and educate people about a pounchki because they are delicious, delightful—no pun intended—and they really make. Uh, this The first few months of, you know, of the year go really fast and they make things, uh, you know, fantastic. You know, I always believe that we should have no borders with our food. So our punch keys reflect that I'm Polish, but we live in Chicago. So I've done some really, really amazing, fantastic flavors for everybody to try. Uh, I did a German chocolate cake because I thought, hmm, coconut and pecans, delicious. Uh, I did a passion fruit jelly because, you know, I love to travel to uh, Latin America, to Mexico, and the passion fruit is so – I mean, I I love and die for passion fruit. As a matter of fact, I I made a passion fruit mousse tort. I make a passion fruit truffle. I make a passion fruit custard. So – you know, I really go to town on it. And, of course, we do our traditional ones, which is raspberry preserves. We do rose petal jelly and plum butter, which is nice and tart, which I love and adore. And our apricot jelly, we kind of did a little Swedish kind of twist on it. We put cardamom sugar around it so because I think cardamom has got that orangey delicious flavor and that apricot filling just makes it taste So amazing. And, of course, since I believe in pairing pastries with booze, uh, we did our drunken uh, ponczki, which we do Jameson with uh, chocolate custard. We do lemon uh, uh, curd and moonshine from Kentucky. And we do a vodka because, you know, I'm Polish, so we're doing vodka and vanilla bean custard. And we're using delicious vanilla beans from Madagascar. And they just make every You know, people call me. They're like, you put sand in your custard. There's black dots. And I explain to them it's vanilla beans, expensive Fantastic, the del- vanilla beans. I'm like, just try it, bite into it. It's gonna have amazing flavor. And of course, I uh, did a riff on a strawberry shortcake because you know we, we, after all, are in the Midwest. So I did a, we cut a punch in half and we put whipped cream and fresh strawberries. And for those people who are whipped cream haters and we know those are aliens, by the way, that we put regular fresh strawberries in them. So what do you think of the selection?
3: I was going to say, Dobra, you really are kind of uh, adhering to the uh, history of the Punchki, because I believe uh, it was originally designed, or or this tradition dates back to uh, bakers essentially uh, cleaning out their pantries uh, before the start of Lent on Ash Wednesday and just putting everything they have uh, into these pastries so you can enjoy them uh, before you have 40 days of fasting and self-denial.
4: You know, I'm not sure about the fasting and self-denial, but yes, you had to use up all the butter. You had to use up the sugar because uh, technically you're not supposed to have sugar uh, and butter and, you know, and the creams and everything else for 40 days. But, you know, that that takes a willpower of, uh, of, the, of Superman, which I do not possess. So I like to, you know, just... Uh, <laughs> Uh, you know, cheat a little bit on the side and have a little, like a little mousse cake, have a little truffle, have something, you know, uh, throughout the lunch. Because I don't know, have you ever done 40 days with when we haven't had one gram of sugar or haven't had any milk or haven't had any butter?
3: Well, I was going to say, Dobra, you know, normally, uh, uh, you know, for me, it's 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 Fridays, but then you just have fish fry on Fridays. So I was like, oh, I, I have to suffer through this very uh, tasty uh, uh, cod fillet. So, no, I understand oh where you're God, coming from. Oh,
4: my terrible. <laughs> that ter- the horrendous. The you poor guy. You the, thing,
3: the things I do, Dobra. I, I just want to ask you very quickly, because uh, I'm guessing you make thousands of these uh, over the yes. month of February, and yes. as someone yes. for whom, you know, my, my baking project it's like an all-day thing uh, just to make some cinnamon rolls from scratch. How are you able to bake at scale? It's just amazing to me uh, that that you okay. can you can I can I, I can churn out five, we, we, and it's a big deal. You can do like thousands.
4: So you know what? we The first week mm-hmm. of January, we started prepping for Fat Tuesday. So it's, you know, and we have huge freezers and huge coolers. So we prep a lot of the dough. We prep the fillings. We make the glaze. We've been candying orange peel for the entire month to put on top of our rose petal jelly. We've been cooking our passion fruit, you know, jams. We've been making our um, our, our chocolate fudge f- topping. We've been making our ganaches. So everything is, you know, so every everything we've been making, our German chocolate, filling so everything's being made and of course then we're also getting prepping the dough and everything else so then of the last you know now we're just frying everything filling everything and finishing everything off so we've got certain components already done because you know that's production it's not not in the house and if you would like to come and join us for next saturday um we have a ponchki class, and you will, we'll make our own dough. We'll fry it and fill it uh, from uh, noon till uh, about 2:30 p.m. on the 10th of February. We've got our ponchki class and shchiki, which are angel wings. And you know, there's two stories actually about how, why the you know. Uh, why Lent is, you know, especially the Polish Lent, because we have the Polish Fat Thursday. We have, we Polish people double dip. So we have Fat Thursday and we have Fat Tuesday. I wish we could double dip Christmas, Thanksgiving, and Easter, but, you know, that's a story for another time. But we have it on Fat Thursday because one of the Polish kings had these fa- Fat Thursdays where they'd have fi- fried fish, they'd have fried, you know, fried, fried uh, fritter dough, fried donuts, you know, fried punch you know, fried literally, but everything fried. And the other story is that these women they were trying to clear um, these women uh, bakers out of the uh, Krakow Square and in protest they started doing these frying Thursdays where they would fry the ponchkies up and they'd get a huge crowd uh, for their for their events so there's, there's the two stories so I'm not sure which one is true we'd have to speak to like a historian that deals with medieval Polish history but that's the two stories that uh, currently I'm familiar with but you know I just love it because it's such a, you know, ponchkis are very different than donuts. Uh, a lot of places, you know, make their donuts and call them ponchkin, In fact, Tuesday, which I take as a great affront, it's like calling uh, Chicago pizza that has Swiss cheese, anchovies, and eggs on top of it, Chicago-style pizza. Most of us would totally grimace if we had to eat such a Chicago-style pizza. So, uh, you know, ponchkis are very – the dough doesn't fl- flatten out. It's not very sweet. The glaze is very thin and you eat it for the for the dough we put delicious have vanilla bean paste uh, in it. We put orange oil. We put lemon oil. We put butter. We put milk. We put really amazing quality ingredients or jams or just sometimes you know I just make a sandwich out of our trick. I just cut it in half and I, I just smear it with jam or I smear it with whipped cream and I just put a ton of fruit on top of it and we just like uh, have a make a cappuccino and we're um, we're just <laughs> having pantry sandwiches which is pretty hysterical. Uh, so you know what it's it's a lot of fun. I think it's I I love I love that. New Orleans saying, Laissez les bon temps rouler, you know, it's such an amazing attitude to have. Let the good time roll because, you know, it's been kind of sad. <laughs> the last years have been kind of, you know, uh, a little bit on the sad side. So, you know, now, now we can just kind of go back to celebrations, which I think, you know, Polish food especially is it's all about celebrations. It's all about having a great time gathering people around food. And I think that's how you make friends and, you know, and uh, and and and. We should do our foreign... A diplomacy like that. You know, some brisket, some chocolate chip cookies, brownies, clam chowder, punchki, and just, you know, like, you know, San Francisco sourdough. And that's how we should make friends.
3: That's cool. a great idea. Dobra Belinsky, founder and owner of Delightful Pastries. She's passionate about punchki. Find her at Austin and Lawrence in Chicago's Jefferson Park neighborhood. An economy
2: of words.
3: The WBBM noon business hour continues. We've already discussed the national jobs report, an impressive number, but what about the situation closer to home? Joining us now to discuss the local job prospects is Rick Cobb, founder of the workplace consulting firm To discern in Chicago. Rick, thank you for joining us today. And when it comes to these blowout job numbers on the national scene, does a rising tide lift all boats? Does this trend uh, extend to Chicago and Illinois?
5: Well, the answer is yes and no. So what I mean by that is when you look at Illinois by county and unemployment numbers, the entire western side of Illinois, almost from top to bottom, with a couple of counties as exceptions, are all in the in the middle threes in terms of three, three point five, three point six, et cetera, up to four. Um, and then when you look at the collar counties around uh, the city, they're doing they're doing well. It's really the the agribusiness area, the the Peorias and the Montgomerys that that really struggle. And and that's a lot of that has to do with the fact that agribiz has been consolidated so much and. The individual farms have gone the way of the, the dodo. Now we have these giant uh, corporate farms that are that are racking up all of the land and there's not opportunity for anybody there. So there's no infrastructure to support that. That's the, the first part of it. So when you look at Illinois overall as a state, we're not doing that well. Uh, we've got uh, we're we're very low we're very low in the term of the actual workforce and the overall economy. Um, but we are very high when it comes to technology and innovation. Um, We do well in education. The cost of living is kind of middle of the road. So I guess what I'm saying is Illinois has the second largest number of of depleting population behind New York. People are leaving, but the people that are leaving tend to be leaving the, the, the rural, more farming areas. There's still lots of opportunities as there are in other major cities and in other thriving industries.
3: And then what what is the Chicago area picture? Because, I mean, we're talking about we have been talking about just kind of the the trends in downtown Chicago. The commercial uh, office space uh, market is still distressed, but that's the case across the entire country. We're still looking at like a 50 percent occupancy rate for many uh, downtown skyscrapers uh, coming out of the covid pandemic. Um, But does that mean that uh, opportunities are also drying up in downtown Chicago or we're just seeing more work from home?
5: I think I think the latter. Uh, of course, there's been uh, uh, there's a rebound on the work from home issue and, and hybrid work, and that needs to be resolved. But when you look at the, the industries in Illinois, particularly in the major uh, metropolitan areas, the life sciences, agribiz, advanced manufacturing, professional services, energy, biotech, even the sports business, those they need talent and they are going to always look for the best and the most productive people. Capable, so those opportunities still exist there. Now, when you get into the work from home, work in the office, hybrid environment, it becomes muddier because you there's no way to get a really talented technology person, whether they're in biosciences or in uh, the traditional technology sectors like coding. They have learned and they have they know that they are fungible and that they can work from home and they can work from home. Many of them can work from home uh, in Illinois, working for a, a company in Texas. So you have to adjust to that. So those people have jobs. The professional services business is more an in-the-office kind of business because that's really a face-to-face business. But the energies business, biotech, those businesses, those are those those can have be more of a hybrid environment. So it's. To keep talent, to get talent, to keep talent, you've got to adjust to what the workforce is looking for at this point because otherwise you're not going to get the people you need.
3: Rick Cobb, founder of the workplace consulting firm 2DISCERN in Chicago.
0: Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
1: Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game.
2: You have 47 new voicemails.
1: Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is Chicago's News
3: Traffic and Weather Station, News Radio 1059. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio, WBBM. Well, it's Groundhog Day, and a weather-predicting critter in Illinois says it will be an early spring. A small plane crash in Florida kills three, damages a trailer park. A local chef takes a gourmet approach to barbecue. And a new fashion trend, as some people mining Scorsese movies for inspiration. Business, the markets are higher. The Dow is up 71 points, NASDAQ up 230, S&P 500 up 45. We have 39 degrees right now in Chicago under cloudy skies going up. Up to 43 today. Move over Punxsutawney Phil. The star of Groundhog Day in Illinois is Woodstock Willie. WBM's Mike Krauser was in the northwest suburb when Willie made his appearance today. A polka
5: band on the historic city square where a large crowd gathered to see what Woodstock Willie had to say.
2: You know, if you want to wake up, Woodstock Willie, you got to make some noise
5: mayor mike turner
2: the great thing that i get to do as mayor is
1: fun stuff like this and i have the honor of bringing in our
5: prognosticator that man none other than tommy skilling woodstock willie the seer of seers, prognosticator of the prognosticators emerged reluctantly willie looked skyward to the east then behind to the ground and he stated clearly i definitely did not see my shadow today. So. so, according to Woodstock Willie, and early spring. Mike Krauser, News Radio 105.9 WBBM.
3: It's 12.32 as the noon business hour continues. Markets are higher today. Joining us with the latest on what's moving Wall Street is Chuck Carlson, CEO of Horizon Investment Services and publisher of the Dow Theory Forecast newsletter based in Hammond. Chuck, thank you for joining us today. When that jobs number came out this morning, the 350,000 uh, uh, number, new jobs uh, created in January, according to the federal government. Uh, the futures m- markets uh, wobbled slightly. It seems like there were some uh, interest rate concerns in the early going, but it appears that uh, investors have uh, shrugged those off.
6: They sure have. I mean, it, and it wasn't just the, the, the jobs report that I thought the market would have trouble shrugging off. It was, uh, you know, the wage report where wages had spiked higher, too, and, and that, Typically, can be problematic for the stock market specifically. So, yeah, I mean, this is we're in an environment here where investors are are ready to buy stocks, and uh, you know they're seeing some big name stocks such as you know the Meta and Amazon's putting up massive growth numbers, and and they're buying them in droves, and uh, that fear of missing out is pretty strong right now. So we've got a market that uh, wants to move higher, even in the face of. What would normally be, you know, negative negative news for interest rates.
3: And uh, when we were talking, before we talk about uh, Meta and Amazon specifically, uh, there were some predictions going into this year that uh, you would see a lot more money pouring into the stock market because all of a sudden uh, they will get greater returns on stocks than they were on interest rates.
6: Well, that's right, and um, you know you can still get a pretty decent return on money market funds in the four to five percent range. But you know, four to five percent looks pretty good when the market's down five to ten percent. But it doesn't look all that great when the market's up, you know, ten, fifteen, twenty percent. And and that's what's going on right now. The calculus investors are, are you know trying to solve is you know is this are we going to have another year of you know 15 to 20, 25 percent gains in the market? And so far January was was good and, and February has been good as well.
3: Now let's talk specifically about uh, meta, which is uh, one of the tech stocks uh, driving the NASDAQ and the s p 500 today. Uh, the stock soaring 20 percent uh, at the uh, at one point and uh, what what are some of the factors going on there? What, what what did the what did the street really like about their fourth quarter report? They liked everything.
6: Uh the company is reaccelerating in a big way. It's its revenue growth. I mean, this is a a big big company that managed to grow 20% plus its its revenue line. So, its ad business is very strong and also helping Facebook uh excuse me, Meta is uh, <laughs> you know, you <laughs> you had this big revenue growth and you had their total costs down eight percent So, you had I mean, it's a it's a best of both worlds. You had 20% growth and your cost structure went down 8%. They've had 22% fewer uh, in their headcount uh, year over year. And so there's a tremendous amount of leverage in the company's revenue stream as their profit margins are just are, are blowing out. And then finally, you know, they did initiate a dividend. Uh, and that's important because it brings in potentially a whole new constituency of investors, those that typically... and and institutional investors that have a a mandate of owning dividend-paying stocks. So they did a lot of right things on this report, and and the stock price is reflecting that today.
3: And then Amazon is another all-star today. Uh, What did investors like about them? Uh, Well, again,
6: you're seeing a massive company that's posting double-digit growth on on revenue. Uh, uh, The stories. Similar in that the company is improving its cost structure, so their operating margins are expanding rather aggressively. And then Amazon too is showing a, a number of streams of growth. You know, most people don't think of Amazon as an advertising uh, company, but you know they are. Uh, their ad business is soaring here. I think it was up 20% plus, and so they are generating revenue from a lot of different streams. Their AWS, their retail, their advertising. And they're doing it against the backdrop of uh, more controlled expenses. And thus, you're seeing kind of the leverage on the, on the bottom line that investors like to see.
3: Chuck Carlson, CEO of Horizon Investment Services and publisher of the Dow Theory Forecast Newsletter in Hammond. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up next, one of Chicago's to go-to barbecue joints is expanding its footprint, and we'll have the details next. Conversation that's on the money. You're listening to the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's part two of Entrepreneur Friday, and today we're checking back in with Soul & Smoke Barbecue as it expands into the city's West Loop neighborhood. We welcome in DeAndre Carter, Executive chef and co founder of Soul and Smoke, locations in Evanston, Avondale, Soldier Field, now uh, coming soon to the West Loop. DeAndre, thank you for joining us today. Uh, Your business began a decade ago as a catering business, but the last four years or so uh, since the pandemic has been a story of explosive growth. And as a business owner, how does your mindset change from "We're starting the business, we're just getting this thing off the ground, every day is a story of survival" to "We're established, and how do we grow"?
7: Yeah, it's just like every day, is just you know, just being prepared as much as you can, you know, being ready for on-the-fly decisions, and yeah, we're just doing our best that we can do uh, here in Chicago.
3: And then everybody seems to be uh, getting into barbecue, and that really seems to be kind of like the hip thing, uh, especially you know, since you've been around for the last 10 years or so. Uh, and, and how do you make sure that you stand out in a crowded field, and how do you make sure that uh, you're still standing when other people uh, try to come into that particular space?
7: Yeah, so that's a great question, Rob. Uh, here at Soul & Smoke, we always focus on our details. It goes from, like, picking the right choice of um, meat to the protein to cook, you know, picking the right smoke or picking the right wood, what rub do I want to use, what meat moisturizer, you know, what enhance the flavor, the cook time, the rest time. All that stuff matters when you're making great barbecue. Um, and, yeah, we just want to, you know, what's special about Soul & Smoke, we kind of have a soul in the smoke kind of like twist to it. Uh, We got like our staples, like our prime brisket, which was voted, you know, some of the best brisket in the Midwest. And then we got classics like shrimp and grits, gumbo, mac and cheese, collard greens. So adding that comfort touches to barbecue um, is what we're here for at Sola Smoke.
3: Now, there's a question I asked uh, of our previous guest. I mean, I'm a bit of a barbecue guy myself. and uh, but, it, but it took me years, DeAndre, years uh, to get a, a brisket that I would even call acceptable. And for me, you know, barbecue is an all-day process. There's all this stuff. It's like launching the space shuttle. And that's just to get one thing off the smoker. Uh, you have to do this at scale. So what is the difference between somebody uh, just doing ribs on a lazy Sunday versus uh, doing hundreds of brisket? and hundreds of racks of ribs for uh, hundreds of hungry customers.
7: Yeah, so it comes down to the team and the details. With my fine dining background, my whole cooking career has been about details, you know, so me making that transition from fine dining to uh, serving barbecue and comfort food, all those details follow me as I, you know, start this path of uh, food. Uh, And, yeah, you know, just having a great team, a great smoker, good training, Um, yeah, Um, yeah, we produce some of the best meats it is. Uh, I know we started off with some of the, you know, if if it was a barbecue person, you know, doing barbecue at home, I would recommend, you know, if you're doing brisket, do a prime grade brisket, you know, uh, make a nice flavorful rub, make sure you uh, spray it down and use a good grade butcher paper. And if you, um, it's all about temps and time.
3: Now, if you, if you don't want to get up at uh, four o'clock in the morning to start uh, prepping the smoker and, and getting all that and, and getting the rub ready, uh, DeAndre, you are uh, here for people on Super Bowl Sunday uh, to uh, to t- have some like grab and go uh, barbecue for uh, for your big game party.
7: Yeah, for the big game, we're offering things like our um, our slider kits. So you can get your choice of pastrami, you can do brisket, you can do pulled pork. We also got our uh, really popular rib tips. We got to do your wings. Uh, we got our buttermilk brined um, wings. Uh, so yeah, we got quite the spread for you know for a uh, big game day uh, yeah. celebration.
3: That sounds great. DeAndre Carter, executive chef and co-founder of Soul & Smoke in Chicago, in the entire Chicago area. Find that in Evanston, Avondale, Soldier Field, now uh, coming soon to the West Loop. Coming up next, the newest fashion aesthetic is Mob Wife. We'll have the details. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Move over Barbie Corps. There is a new aesthetic gaining popularity, and that is Mob Wife. Joining us to explain is Bob Fibbs, CEO of the retail doctor based in new york bob thank you for joining us today and this is one of those uh, moments where i'd like to go back in time 25 years and explain the following sentence to the people of 1999 and that is uh, a video on tiktok is saying that the hot new aesthetic is mob wife uh that would make very little sense in the 90s and that makes very little sense to me today but uh, apparently it is a thing hey Don't make fun or you'll sleep with the fishes. I I understand that. And obviously, if you're in the retail space, you have to uh, run. Uh, You you have to go where the market is taking you. And the market says people want to look like Carmela Soprano.
2: Well, let's face it, it shouldn't look that bad. But what it comes down to is that we forget that we call them Gen Alpha now. Young people are, uh, hey, have so many more influencers than we had. You know, they have a whole world looking at, so to them, this is all brand new. But I do wonder if maybe, I'm just saying, HBO might just have something to do with it, because to your point, it is 25 years ago, The Sopranos.
3: And, and which is hard to believe because uh, I remember when that show premiered and and maybe this is kind of a little, little bit of a, a whiplash effect because in 1999 and, and in the early 2000s a lot of men wanted to be Tony soprano they tried to to have that aesthetic uh as, as the as that well-to-do suburban guy who has kind of a dark side behind him so now 25 years later their kids are watching the sopranos and HBO Max and they want to look like Carmela
2: and they're waiting for the ducks to return
3: to the pool, right? Exactly. So, yeah. They're waiting for the ducks to come back.
2: You know, hey, it's really strong statements, and they can get it at secondhand stores. And uh, is this going to last longer than a month or no? But we're talking about it. So um, if you're out there, you know, you'll see it those bigger hoop earrings and the leopard print pants or the faux fur jackets, and uh, something to do before we get into spring and, you know, add some color out there.
3: There's The, the giant glasses, too, are, are part of that uh, aesthetic as well. And uh, is this part of that quiet luxury trend that uh, you've been hearing about as well? This is a way to uh, glam yourself up and uh, kind of um, uh, uh, brush it off as, as some ironic posturing while at the same time uh, putting a lot of effort into looking nice?
2: <laughs> well, look, Succession was a pretty popular program in the last five or six years, and people love that idea that I'm just like them. So this is perfect for the Instagram crowd and TikTok crowd because look what I found, and look how cool I look, and I look like I've got all the bling. And, uh, hey, it, it's again, it got us to talk about it, and uh, Gen Z seems to be able to want to flaunt that they have money. And, you know, we hear as they don't have money so even with their little side hustles and everything this is a way to to make them look like something else huh
3: So just uh, just go to the secondhand store and uh, look like uh, the most expensive person of 1999 i suppose
2: Yeah and for guys that don't that's going to work i think they just wanted to go to the Bada Bing club so there you
3: go <laughs> Hey and at least as far as as far as tony's whole aesthetic was concerned it was uh, khaki pants and a polo shirt and that works at any time Yeah anytime. pretty much Bob um, fit Bob Fibbs, the CEO of The Retail Doctor in New York, thank you for joining us today. If you missed any part of today's show, you can just go to the stream, skip back to the time you want. There's a pause and rewind function that works both online and with the Odyssey app.